You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning, church. Let me hear you one more time. Come on, one more time. Loud and proud. Amen. He is risen. Now, wait a minute. See, y'all didn't grow up in the church like I did. See, if I say he is risen, y'all got to shout me down with a good he is risen indeed. He is risen. That's all right. That's, that's okay. We'll take that. Celebrate. Well, good morning, church. Welcome. Welcome to Vintage, man. We are so glad that you're here this morning. It is Easter Sunday, and we're excited that you chose to worship with us today. It is a good day to be in the house of God, man. People have already given their lives to Jesus. Would you just celebrate that this morning as people made that decision? We said that last week that we would simply make um, uh, this about Jesus and you. Like, that was our goal. Last week we started kind of just a two-week series that is our Easter series, and I wanted to make it about Jesus and you. And I know that just like any other type of season throughout the year, that can get lost. And I know that this can be about um, Easter egg hunts and bunnies and new outfits. And let me just say, y'all look good. (laughs) Tell you what, I got some fresh bands on, y'all. You know, it's good. Or it could be about, you know, some of you are already thinking about mama's ham and deviled eggs. Glory, come on. Yeah, amen from somebody. But today, can we just for a, for a moment realize the awesomeness that is this day and celebrate it together as a church family. And, and I don't know about you, but, you know, and I know that, that Jesus is just as risen last week and he'll be just as risen next week. And for some of y'all, we'll have church too, just so you know. Uh, first service laughed at that. Y'all kind of got a little bit offended. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but today is special, Amen. It's what we celebrate today is special. And I just, well, I just wake up on Easter Sunday with something in my spirit because I'm reminded of the power of this day. And a long time ago, the reality of what happened on Easter was, was told to me and it resonated in my heart. And so we wake up on Easter Sunday, or, or I think most of us who know what it means and have put our trust in Jesus, and I know not everybody in the room has done that, but we wake up just excited about this day. And it's almost like there's a little bit extra kind of pep in our step a little bit. And, and again, I don't know if it's because we're putting on a fresh outfit or because we're going to lunch or if it's the reality of Jesus has conquered death. And we have reason to celebrate and be excited. But I also, every year, am reminded of that first Easter Sunday morning. And that for those original believers of Jesus, those people that got to see Jesus up close, those people that got to walk with him, they didn't wake up with that excitement on Easter Sunday morning. They didn't wake up knowing what was about to happen. They, they had spent the last several days in confusion and darkness and frustration and pain and mourning and as dawn broke on that first Easter Sunday morning like what he had said had somehow gotten lost and they woke up just in mourning they woke up prepared to figure out how how are we going to go on with life what what are we going to do next and so we're going to dive into that story grab your bibles go to John chapter 20 it's going to be available on the screen it's also available in our Vintage Church app if you have it. Just hit the notes tab, and the scriptures are there for you this morning. 
says in John chapter 20, the first part of verse 1, early on that first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And now let me just pause, because I don't want to assume anything today. The reason why Mary Magdalene went to the tomb may be lost on some people in the room. See, just a few days before this morning, Mary Magdalene and, and the disciples and other people that had followed Jesus had watched Jesus go through the most horrible death known to man. Crucifixion was the most painful way of execution that man had ever created. And we talked about that last week, how basically they would put you on a cross and you would eventually just die of suffocation because you wouldn't be able to push yourself up and get your air in, air in your lungs. And they watched that happen. And we talked about why that had to happen. That the cross just wasn't something nice. It was something necessary. Because the reality is Jesus had to go to the cross. And, and Jesus knew this all along. And several times he told his disciples that this was going to happen. If you remember this, John chapter 12, verse 32, we read this last Sunday. It says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Jesus said, if, if I. And we talked about how if is such a powerful little word, amen? I mean, we see this word, and it's just it's two little itty-bitty letters, and, and it's easy just to kind of gloss over them, but there's, there's nearly 1,800 ifs in Scripture. And if is that bridge between promise and payoff. If, he says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So you saying, like, you don't understand, like, I've been trying to tell y'all, I, I have to go to the cross. I have to die. And if I do, because of what I am going to do on that cross, I will be able to draw all people, all people, all people unto myself. And see, we get to live on the other side of if. See, it wasn't if he went to the cross, he did. Willingly, he went to the cross, and he had to do that. Because, see, you and I were separated from God. Newsflash, you're a broken, messed up person. Amen? And it's just who we are. We've made mistakes that have separated us from a holy God. And, like, God couldn't tolerate that. And instead of giving up on us, he decided to come to the earth in the form of Jesus Christ, who walked on this planet for 33 years, showing us what life is supposed to be like. And then he went to the cross. And, see, your sin deserved punishment. And instead of God giving that punishment to you, he decided to take it on himself. And he died on the cross so that you could have life. And Jesus said, if I die on the cross. And see, now we get to have forgiveness. Those things that you and I have done that separated us from God can now be erased. Come on, church, get excited with me now. That Jesus gave his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven. But see, he didn't just say he would die. And I think that somehow got lost, like a lot of the things that, that Jesus said to the disciples. It's like they heard him, but they weren't listening. Y'all know people like that? They heard, they heard him, but they, they weren't listening because he, he not only said that he had to die, he said more than that. If you flip over to Luke chapter 18, if you start at verse 31, it says, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Verse 32. And then he makes some pretty strong predictions, each of, each of which came true. It says, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him insult him and spit on him they will flog him and kill him so everything that jesus experienced thursday through friday the disciples had seen come true and he told him this time he said we're going to jerusalem and we're not going to jerusalem for a little vacation we're going for a specific purpose he said we're going to go and i'm going to be handed over to the gentiles because they're the only ones that can kill me the religious people didn't have the right to be to order that execution 
And he says, they're going to flog me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to gamble over my clothes. They're going to do all these different things. And you would think that, like, that would register with them that, hey, everything that Jesus said, it came true. But there was one more thing that he said. See, he didn't just say they're going to kill him. If you read the, read the latter part of verse 32, he says, on the third day, he will rise again. So they've just seen, like, like, Jesus knows what he's talking about. Like, everything that Jesus had said about his death comes true. And he also included that, not only am I going to experience this death, not only am I going to die, not only am I going to the cross, but, oh, and he's even real specific. He didn't say, I'm going to rise again at some point. He says, in three days, I'm coming back to life. So you would think that the disciples, you know, would just be kind of counting it down, like New Year's Eve style. Like they would just show up at the tomb like, 10, not party poppers, hats, we'd be ready to party. <laughs> like you would think after they had seen, like, Jesus, everything he said to this point, it's been, it's been like spot on, like he's been right. But somehow, the pain of what they'd experienced on Friday managed to drown out what he said about Sunday. And they spent those days just scattered and confused and broken. And that brings us into Sunday morning. Go back. John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So now you would think, okay, maybe that would even trigger. He said he was going to do this. Like, this was going to happen. But look what happens. Verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So like, he's like, uh, somebody has stolen Jesus' body. And so they, you can tell, they weren't coming there expecting to see a resurrection. They weren't coming there expecting to see yet another one of Jesus' promises fulfilled. They show up, and you know why they were there? Because, like, really, the other parts of the gospel say there was a bunch of women that had come in order to basically re-involve the body. Because a few days earlier, the men had done it, and we know they didn't do it right. Bless their hearts. We're going to say, amen. Bless their little hearts. So really, the, why the, the, they were there to permanently entomb the body of Jesus. They came with the spices and all the things necessary to seal the deal. That's evidence. They came with no expectation that Jesus would rise from the, had been risen from the dead. See, we came in here this morning that way, but they, they, they didn't. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. It was always a contest with these boys. So, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. So I just, you know, when I read the Bible, I just kind of had to mentally kind of play it out. So Peter's like running and John's like, I'm going to beat him to the tomb because I got to see what's happening. And it says he doesn't go into the tomb. He gets to the entrance tomb and he just, he just peeks in and he sees that the body's gone. Verse 6, says, then Simon Peter came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, by the way, that's John talking about himself. When he reached the tomb, 
who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. Then it says, he saw and believed. But notice what it says in verse 9. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. See, it says he saw and believed, but I'm not sure he even knew what he was believing. Like, he, he believed Jesus was gone. But I don't think he really knows what had happened. I still think he is still trying to put all these pieces together and figure out what's happening, that they're still kind of just riddled with so much confusion. They're trying to make sense of all this happening. And again, somewhere along the way, the reality of what Jesus said had gotten lost, had gotten drawn out. And here they show up on that Easter Sunday morning, and they weren't like us. They weren't full of excitement and, confu- and, and, and joy. They were full of confusion and, and, and wonder. And maybe that's some people in the room too. But I love what happens next. Verse 11 says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Verse 13. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. Verse 14, at this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Now, you ever have one of those moments when the hair just stands up on the back of your neck? Like, I I imagine that's what happens to Mary in this moment. Here she is. Like, she still, she doesn't get it. She doesn't realize, even though she's seen an empty tomb, she's seen the linens just laying there. She's seen angels. That ain't normal. And then all of a sudden, it gets real and it gets personal. And it's just about Jesus and her. This high today is just about Jesus and you. And he doesn't say, woman, he doesn't, he says, Mary. And all of a sudden, the sweet sound of a familiar voice struck a chord in her spirit. And can you imagine what began to wash over her? In that moment, she's realizing for the very very first time that he is alive. He is alive. And with that one calling of her name, it changed everything for the rest of her life. The Bible says, after he he said Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Verse 18. As Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. I like that she doesn't say, I've seen Jesus. She says, I have seen the Lord. The Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were still together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. That's when I believe they began to partay. Like all of a sudden, everything changed. 
Everything was meaningful. I think even Peter and John, even though they had seen an empty tomb, even though they had looked in and saw the linens, even though they had seen so much, in that moment when Jesus stood in their presence, not in form of a spirit, he wasn't a ghost, he was flesh and blood, man come back to life, death defeated, victory accomplished, that Jesus had been put in a grave, but he didn't stay there. And this changes everything, church. And this is meaningful. Like, I know sometimes we get caught up in different parts of Jesus' life. We love little baby Jesus at Christmas. And I think we even love the cross. We wear them around the neck. But you need to add an empty tomb to that chain. Because without the empty tomb, the story is incomplete. If Jesus didn't have victory over death, then all that God wanted to accomplish in him and in you isn't possible. But if he did, there's that word again, if. See, Paul would tell us that, like, we got to understand that the resurrection is just as important as the crucifixion. That on the cross, he took your punishment. When he walked out of the grave, he erased your penalty. See, that was the ultimate penalty of death, uh, uh, of sin. See, death wasn't part of God's original plan, church. Death, disease, sickness, hunger, pain wasn't part of God's original plan. It was brought on as a result of sin. And when Jesus took the cross, he, he, he allowed forgiveness in your life. When he walked out of the grave, he gave you freedom. He exchanged temporary for eternal. And, 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 and we got to understand this because if that didn't happen, Paul puts it like this. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. It says, and if, there's that word again. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has been raised, has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Like if, if all we've got is this world, of all people, people should feel sorry for us. If this is it, if Christ didn't die, then this is it. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. See, if, if he did, then he was, and now I can. See, if he did, if he did raise from the dead, if he did conquer the grave, if he did walk out of the tomb, if he did, then he was every single thing that he said he was. If he walked out of the tomb, then everything he preached, every miracle he did, every principle he ever taught, everything he ever did is validated and proof, and it matters, and it gives you purpose and life. And if he did, then he was, now I can. I can live above all the other things that have tried to take me down. I can have a resurrection within my own self. I can ha live out his purpose in my life. I can have a future. I can have life beyond this world. I can experience something greater than myself. If he did, he was, and now I can. Because see, this is what we got to remember, church. Yeah, he may have been he didn't come to just be born in a manger. He came to walk out of a grave. 
He didn't come just to experience death. He came to defeat it. And if we believe in that, then it changes everything. It changes everything. And there may be some people in the room that question it, but let me tell you something. Jesus' tomb is the only tomb that people visit for what's not in there. See, there's for some of us, you have people that pass on, and you visit that grave. Why? For what lies there. You visit that tomb, that grave, for what's in there, the remains of somebody you love. When you go to the tomb of Jesus, you go for what's not there. Because he rose from the dead. And if he did, then he was. And I can. And so today, we celebrate the greatest miracle in all of history. And let me just say, this is just the intro. But today, I want you to focus on that. I want you to put your trust in that. I want you to celebrate that. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to worship. And we're going to put our eyes for a moment as we worship together before I come back up to, to share some other things with you. This day represents the greatest miracle in all of history. And if you'll put your faith and trust and belief in it, the power and potential it has in your life is more than you can imagine. Let's worship together, church. Amen. Amen. Celebrate that, church. Take a seat one more time for me. See, I got to believe that that's kind of how they celebrated on that resurrection evening. That Yeah, resurrection morning was a little bit confusing and, and trying to figure it all out. But that evening when Jesus showed up in their midst among the disciples, amazing things got to happen. The disciples. See, the disciples were this group of people. These 12 guys that Jesus invested in. The 12 guys that got to see Jesus' ministry and teaching up close like no other group of people. But on that night, that resurrection evening, only 11 of them got to experience it. There was one that was missing. There was one that, that got to see all the other amazing things that Jesus had done. He had, they had been there for the water being turned into wine. He got to watch as, as Lazarus was called out of the grave. He got to see all these amazing things. And Jesus' major miracle, the, the thing that had the potential to change everything, this guy never got to see it. His name was Judas. And he never made it to Sunday. See, Judas was a lot like us, I think. See, there was times as he walked through with Jesus and saw his ministry and saw his miracles, and he, he still was uncertain about who this Jesus was, and, and, and he had a lot of things competing in his heart for Jesus' rightful place. And there came a point even when, when this, there was, there was a lady who, in an act of worship, came and, and broke this jar of perfume over Jesus and used it to kind of celebrate him and worship him. And Judas didn't care for that at all. The Bible says that this perfume, Jesus, G, Judas saw it as a waste. He said that this perfume was worth a year's wages. And now he tries to put on and act like, you know what, we could have we sold that and given it to the poor. And really he's thinking, we could have sold that, I could have put it in the treasury and been skimming off of it like I have everything else. And it was that, thing, that, that instance that kind of, it was the straw that broke the camel's back for, for Judas. And it wasn't long after that then Ju that Judas decided, you know what, this Jesus thing is not for me anymore. 
And he had heard that there were people that were upset with a lot of things that he was saying and doing. So he actually goes to them and says, hey, what will you give me? If I sell Jesus out, if I help you find him and take him to trial, what will you give me? They said 30 pieces of silver. And see, in that moment, Judas did something that so many people do. See, Jesus offers the exchange from temporary to eternal. But Judas made the decision that many of us make. He chose the temporary over the eternal. For some reason in that moment, he believed that that 30 pieces of silver would offer him more than Jesus could. He gave up on Jesus. And if you don't know the story, what would happen is Jesus would go through all the things that he went through. Eventually, Judas' guilt would just overtake him and overwhelm him. So much so that he would go back to the chief priest and say, I take it back. Like, I don't want any, I don't want any, any part of this. I don't want any, any, any involvement. And he tries to even throw the money back at him. And they look at him, and they basically, it says in the Bible, like, dude, this is your responsibility. You've got to live with the consequences of it. And Judas would then go, and he would hang himself. And I always wonder... What if he'd have made it to Sunday? See, Judas did what so many people do. He gave up on Jesus too soon. He gave up on Jesus too soon. I can't help but wonder, like, what would have happened if, if Judas, even though he was stubborn and even though he was doing a lot of things he shouldn't have done, what if he'd have made it to Sunday? What if he would have made it to that moment where he stood in that room and Jesus showed up and he saw the risen Savior before him with his nail-scarred arms and his pierced side? And, and what, what if he got to see that miracle? Maybe, maybe his life would have been so different if he hadn't convinced himself that there was a better offer. That he exchanged the temporary for the eternal and he missed. He missed Sunday. And I gotta, I gotta believe there's people in the room with a similar perspective. Somewhere along the way, there's been something that's just become more appealing than Jesus. That you've traded Jesus for something temporary. A job, career, a relationship, an addiction. That somewhere along the way, you kind of said, All right, you know, I tried that Jesus thing. I read the Bible for a little while. Maybe I went to church for a little bit, and I, 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 did, I, I gave it a shot, but my problems were still there, and I really didn't, didn't feel anything. And so I gave up. And my fear is you're going to miss it. But the good news is you still got time. That you don't have to be like Judas. Judas never got the chance. Even, even, even if he'd have made it to Sunday, he could have looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I sold you out, and I'm sorry. You know what Jesus would have said? I forgive you. And today, if somewhere along the way you've exchanged Jesus for something less than, all you have to do is look at him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And he'll forgive you too. Don't, don't exchange the temporary for the eternal. Whatever the world is trying to convince you is better, it's not. And don't walk through this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, without allowing Jesus to be in you and for you and through you all that He desires to be. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? 
I wonder if you'll have the courage to make the best decision of your life. To not let this Sunday go by and miss it. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never accepted Jesus and you've been sitting here through this whole morning. You, 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 don't, you think we're crazy. You have no idea what's been going on. But let me tell you something. This Jesus that we've been talking all, all morning long for, he went to the cross for you. He came out of the grave for you. And he's preparing an eternal home for you. No matter what you've done, no matter how much baggage you think you're carrying, no matter how bad the mistakes are, he did everything necessary for you to be forgiven and free. And all you have to do is believe in him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. All you have to do is look at him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've exchanged something less than for you. Or maybe you're here today and there was one point that you walked with Jesus and you gave Jesus a shot. But maybe you abandoned him. You gave up on him too soon. And it's time to come back. I'm going to ask you to do something for me in just a moment. If you're making that decision at some point, point before the morning, would you just fill out that card that's in your seat? Because we want to pray with you. We want to come alongside you. And if you would, have the courage that after you fill out that card as you go out this morning, take that card by the Connections tent and let us give you some resources to put in your hand to help you grow in your faith and dive into His Word and experience this new life. But in just a moment, I want you to do something really, really courageous. If Jesus walked out of the tomb, then he can give you the courage to stand up. And if you're here in just a minute, I'm going to count to three. And if you're accepting Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to Jesus this morning, I want you to stand up. One, it's just about you and Jesus right now. It's not about your past. It's not about the people sitting around you. Two, it's time to come back home and allow him to breathe new life into you three. Would you stand? Would you just stand right where you are? If you're accepting Jesus for the first time or maybe you're returning to Jesus and you're coming back to him and this morning you're experiencing new life and new hope and a fresh wind of his spirit blowing into your life and allowing him to move in you and work in you and do something awesome and powerful in your life. Just stand up right where you are. You symbolically going from death to life as you make that decision and you allow Jesus to breathe new hope, new life, new strength in you that you once were dead but now you're alive and as you stand in this room today you stand with a hope and a future because of the victory that Jesus has had over the grave amen and amen and amen with those of you who are seated would you join those who are standing this morning and celebrate him so I invite you to stand and celebrate because you're not only celebrating the resurrection of Jesus that's not the only reason why we came here today. We didn't come here just to celebrate his resurrection. We came here to celebrate our resurrection because we have gone from death to life. Because he went from death to life, so can we. And so we're going to celebrate our resurrection today. The new life that we get. Let me hear you, church. The new life that we get to have in him. Let's celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and the resurrection that we get to experience because of who he is. Let's worship, church. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.